Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Turn to somebody and look at them in the face and tell them there's life after the resurrection. There is life after the resurrection. We just got over Resurrection Sunday. We're not getting over it. We're still trying to get under it. I, I know that Easter is a great time and people came to visit. And we're so glad we see some people returning. And it's so good to have you back. If you were here for Easter and you came back after Easter, welcome. Let's give all of our guests a round of applause. And, and listen, we're fixing to work on our 830 service. We want to fill up our 830 service. We do. And, and, and listen, we're talking about duplicating, uh, trying to get every ministry involved at that time. So, so if you would love to come to church early, and you know, it's a blessing to come to church early. It gives you more of the day to do what you need to do. And, and something special also about that 830 service, so you can feel just that, you know, there's less distraction. Sometimes between the time you wake up and the time you get here at 1030, it's amazing all that can happen. But it's a little bit quieter in the roads, less people out there, a little bit more solemn, and you step into God's house that early, there's something sweet about it. So try it out. If you'd like to try out our 830 service, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we invite you. Choose a service. In fact, work one, worship one. That's a new saying we ought to have. Work, work one and worship one. Really get your heart changed up. Are you ready for the word? Come on, grab your Bible. Let's get into the Word of God. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So good to be in God's house. Did you all have a great Easter? Did you have a great Easter time with your family? I, I was invited to a friend of ours' house on Easter, and we had some food, and we had more food, and we had more food. You ever eat so much you had to ask God to forgive you? I hope you had a good Easter. I'm ready for the word. I'm ready. Here's the scripture, Acts chapter 1. And welcome back to all of our guests that were traveling as well, all of our members of the church. So good to have you. We had a great Easter. It was packed out, and um, I love it when we have a service. You have, to, you have to pull out chairs. I love it. The former account I made, O Theophilus. I like saying Theophilus because it makes it sound like I know Greek. In the morning service, we just called him Theo. So, O Theo, all of that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given command to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So essentially, he's telling us here that after the resurrection, Jesus was with them for 40 days and 40 nights. And he talked to them about the kingdom. And he gave them instruction. In verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say wait. wait. <laughs> Turn to somebody and tell them, I hate to wait. I don't know one person that loves to wait. 
But he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. How many of you appreciate the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do I have any spirit-filled people in this house here this Sunday morning? And so he gave them commandment, and he told them, this is what you have to do. After the resurrection, Jesus had specific instruction, but he also had a destiny for them, right? He had a plan for them. And in order for them to fulfill that plan, they had to first go back to a place to wait, be endued with power, and then go out into the world. The hardest part about God's process is waiting. There have been people that have, I, I promise you right now, I'm speaking to people that have been in a promise for a long time. And you've had promises for a very long time in your life. And you're very good at waiting. But we're going to teach you a new way of waiting and show you how if you'll properly wait on God, that the promise you have from God will begin to grow and you'll see some changes in your life. How many of you want to see changes in your life? I do. Hey, listen, do me a favor. Pray for me. Stretch out your hands. Pray for the service. Pray for somebody around you. Ask God to bless this service right now. Ask him to anoint the word. Ask him to, to touch us. Let his spirit touch us. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, we receive every good thing this service. God, speak through us. Speak through me. Touch our hearts. Touch our minds. <laughs> I feel it. My God, I feel it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. All you, God, none of us. We bless your name, Father. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say amen. Turn around to somebody. Tell them something good's going to happen for you today. Something good's going to happen. And after you've done that, you can be seated. You can be seated. God bless you. We love you so much. We feel the love of God in our hearts. And I feel his presence in this place. I do. So, this is what we have to consider. Life after the resurrection consisted of Jesus spending time with his disciples, instructing them, instructing them to go to Jerusalem, wait there for the promise of the Father. And then he said, from the promise, you're going to be endued or empowered. Now, nobody, nobody likes to wait, but that's what he asked them to do, wait. And so many times when we have God give us directions, it's not really the direction we wanted to go. Now, I have to make a confession, I, I'm, and, and don't judge me. I, I'm not an idiot, but I am terrible with directions. I am I, I've, been, I've lived in Victoria my whole life, and I still have to ask for directions. I don't know what it is. And the sad part is, I really don't care. <laughs> I just don't. If I'm law, I, I just, most of the time, I'll just ask you, sit, text me your, your address, and I'll put it in GPS, and I'll go. Um... 
I go by feelings and my sensors. And when I drive around San Antonio, Houston, I, I get lost. And I thank God that I have a wife who loves to drive and loves to read maps. She loves maps. Uh, Dawn will sit around all day and just look at a map. She'll do it. I've seen her do it. I say, if you want to make her happy, give her a book about maps. She'll read it. She'll go through it. She'll learn every street, everything. Me? No. Just take me there. I want to not think right now. I want to listen to a sermon. I want to listen to a podcast. I want to hear an audio book. I want to focus on that. Too stressful. I do a lot of other stuff. My life is so complicated. My life is so stressful with other things in my life. I just, I don't, I don't care. I just, if I need to get there, I'll just figure it out later. I mean, you know, I'll Google it. And so, but there are times, now I'm not completely oblivious. I, I know the directions, streets, and certain things, but, but, you know, I'm not completely oblivious to direction. And sometimes I think I know a way, but then when I ask for advice from technology, sometimes technology tells me to go a separate direction, a different direction. And I'm smart enough to figure it out that, you know what, that's the long way. That's just going towards the highway, trying to find you a straight point from a to B, but if I take this street, I know I can get there faster. It just makes sense. So I don't want to go the way that I'm being advised to go because the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? And so we always try to find the shortest route. In our nature, we are always looking for the shortest route. In our whole nature, we are so accustomed to taking a road less traveled. When, when on the other hand, and, and by the way, someone dropped this and gave me this the other day, and I thought probably the coolest thing I ever heard in my life. I always said that prayer was the original technology of communicating with God before even the iPhone. But somebody dropped it in my, in my, in my inbox the other day and told me that Moses was the first one to use a tablet to download from the cloud. I thought that was cool. Thank you, Patrick Kuzka. There, there, there is so much when it comes to being spirit-led that God will speak to you like technology, give you direction, and then we question it. Because lots of times the route that God is choosing is a longer route and a road less traveled, and you don't want to take it, and neither do I. What's amazing to me in this whole story after the resurrection is Jesus told the disciples, go back to Jerusalem. <laughs> now, if you don't know history and understand that going back to Jerusalem was a pretty big deal, and that's where Jesus was hated the most. The origin of the Jewish foundation of law, customs, and beliefs, he asked him to go back to the place where they were looking for the disciples to persecute Jesus and to kill them, and Jesus told them, go wait there. Not one time did I ever read that they complained about it, but they went there, and they hid in solitude. They hid, and they prayed. They were after many, many Listen, many years even after Jesus is passing from this world to the next, the church was consistently persecuted, consistently persecuted. But here is the Lord. He asked them to go. 
and wait. Because the beginning of their life consisted of a life that was empty. They had experienced, they had heard. They even received a few words and got revelation for the moment. But they had no substance. No substance. That's how we start off in life. A life void of real substance or things that are eternal. When you read the Bible, we understand that the one thing that we all need and they needed and they had was a word from God. And if it wasn't for a word from God to keep us on our journey, none of us would even be here. Proverbs chapter 6, 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, that means that when your desire is fulfilled from what you hope for, it is now a tree of life, and it grows in your life, and it begins to, to blossom when hope is conceived and, it, and, and, and received. And so now we understand that Jesus is the tree of life. Jesus gives us hope. Jesus came into the world. He came in as a seed. He said, except a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it will produce fruit. So Jesus had to lay down his life, go through a process, go to the garden, wait on his father, and then God gave him direction. He gave his life, but because he gave his life, he produced much fruit. Am I right? Here's our life most of the time. Let me begin by saying, point number one, it's all about waiting. During the process of where we're at in life, life begins with a simple silhouette of us waiting, and thus, and, and before the process even begins. It's about waiting. Life as after the resurrection is about the process. This is our condition before the process. For the process, let me show you here. Let's just say this is the old man, right? Let's say that's the old man, the old nature of man. And, and let's say that the origin of what we wrestle with has, let's say, let's just say frustration. If I spelled something wrong, please yell out you spelled it wrong. I'm not embarrassed, and I'm not too big to be corrected. I love it when people correct me and tell me. I love, I'd rather mess up in front of you than in front of somebody else. You're family to me. So, frustration. And, and then here's the other thing to consider. I'm going to put this all together. Uh, let's just say no change. Okay? So, when we begin life and we live life outside of Jesus, we are starting life, in most cases, with the old nature and the old man. From the old man, we can honestly say that those are thoughts and ideas and desires that have literally kept a cycle in our life, old habits, old things in our spirit. 
And, and those things, because this is where most people live, not everyone, but most people live in this place of, of cycle. Now, because you think the old way you used to think, you have the old desires you used to have, and you're, you, you believe in God, but you've never received a promise. This is the life of somebody who believed but yet not received a promise. Now, the Word of God is filled with promises, right? The Word of God is filled with promises. But most people don't embrace the promises, so they eventually they become frustrated. They're, they're living in frustration. Because frustration is a product of nothing changing outside your environment. So because you're living an old life, and because you're living the old way, and because you're doing the same old thing, there are no changes, and you're becoming frustrated. The one thing that's void in your life right here, right here in your life, there is. There's no promise. No promise. The one thing before the disciples had to have before they ever made that journey and spending 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection, listen, after the resurrection, they had to have a word and a promise that would bring them hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Jesus would have never sent them to Jerusalem without hope. Hope is what we need. Hope is what Jesus is. Hope is what you receive after coming out of the presence of God. Hope is what changes your thinking, your process, and your actions. Hope is the level of faith when faith has matured. And hope causes you to do things you normally wouldn't have done despite the circumstances. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when hope is there, if hope deferred or a life without hope makes it sick and frustrated and no promises, then that tells me a life with the promise and hope can make a heart and a life healthy. Right? Who has a promise today in this, in this church right now? Who has a promise? If you don't have a promise, then you need to open up your Bible. And you need to stay there long enough. And you need to talk to God long enough. Uh, 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 you got to have hope. Listen, who said it's over? You know why people commit suicide? Because they have no hope. But I'm telling somebody here today that Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. What you really need is just Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. He's alive. He's a well. He came out of the grave. I'm talking to people who believe that there is a God who will answer your prayers. There's a God that you can feel when you lift up your hands. There's a God you can feel in response to worship. He's alive. Turn to somebody and tell them he's alive. The resurrection is alive. But so we go through the cycle. And so what I want to show you is, is that it's all about that. I'm going to wait. Just give me one moment. So, so let's talk about waiting. This is waiting for us. Well, waiting does a lot of good, and waiting brings a promise. 
See, they had to wait before they even had to wait in Jerusalem. Forty days, forty days and forty nights spending with Jesus Christ is a waiting process. It's all found in waiting and waiting with him for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I'm not telling you go on a 40-day fast, but can you give him 40 seconds? If you can give him 40 seconds, can you give him 40 minutes? I promise you, if you just learn to wait on him, you'll get direction. The, the apostles didn't have direction until they got it from waiting with him. Waiting brings the answers. But in our world, waiting is simply, uh, for most people, it's this. This is what waiting is, I think, in most people's cases. They sit there, do nothing, and they're non-responsive. Sometimes we wait there like we're going through a drive-thru, right? Like we're going through a drive-thru, we just sit there and wait. Nobody, you know, we try to treat God like a drive-thru sometimes. We just, you know, place the order, sit there, and then, you know, God just delivers. Hold on a second. In the kingdom, God will give you the necessary supplies to go cook it for yourself. Uh, we don't want to hear that, do we? See, when you start cooking yourself and you start doing it yourself, Depending on the need, if you need help, God will send the help. If you need to do something else, he'll send somebody to take your place. But you've got to start off by doing something. Does that make sense? Well, waiting for us is just sitting there not doing anything. But this is what the word waiting means in, in, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Yeah. Now, now, consider this. The word wait comes from the Hebrew word that literally means this. It means to look for. That's what the word, that's what the word wait means. The word wait that actually meant Go and look for, pray for, seek for. Go. Do something. Look for it. It means to expect hope, expecting something. If you're expecting someone to come over to the house, you're going to prepare the house, clean the house, make the house smell good, right? While you're waiting, you do something. When faith expects Faith is doing something while it's waiting, Amen. not just sit there. Am I right? Or the Bible right? Or this, I think I'm in the book. It also means gather together, bind together, intertwine together. And what that is referring to is being intimate with God in those moments. So, so that when you are intimate with God, he said he will enable you to fly far above your present circumstance by giving you the wings of the spirit or an eagle. The eagle represents flying higher and going way above every nuisance and every split tail robin that tries to come around you and pick at you, every mockingbird that comes around. You ever seen that before? Big birds that fly low are always picked on by smaller ones. The reason why they're picked on by smaller ones is because they're not utilizing their bigger wings to take them to a higher place. 
The reason why most people are still aggravated and picked on by the devil live in a spirit of offense all the time. People that live in offense, people that are always angry. People who have a spirit of offense as a source of selfishness. It's not about us. It's all about him. Can't be offended at every little thing. It's toxic. It's poisonous. It will hurt you, and it will deprive you of every blessing. You can't allow that to happen in your life. But when you don't allow God to move and try to do it on your own strength, and this is what happens. Instead of the wings of an eagle, you got this. Little bitty wings. It's like that little bug off of the bug's life. That's your own strength. That's because you're reading all these self-help books, but you're not reading the real book, the God-help book. Self-help will only take you so far. But the Bible says if you'll tap into my spirit... God said he'll give us the wings of an eagle. Come on, somebody. He'll give us the wings of an eagle. And that's be bigger than that. My God gives us big wings. The wings of an eagle. I know this is, I know. Whew. Angel's wings right there. The wings of an eagle. Now, those will get you above your problems. Those will get you out of your circumstance. Those will make you high above every issue in your life. Stop, turn to somebody and tell them, stop flying so low. Stop flying. So I'm getting off track here. I want to give you the, the point. So this is what happens in the spirit. But how do you get there? Your, your whole body, your whole nature, the whole self has to surrender to God. How does this happen? It doesn't happen automatically. Listen, even your own will, Jesus could give them the invitation, ask them, go away in Jerusalem, but he couldn't make them. Peter, you know, he, he, he waited for one thing from the Lord before stepping out of the boat. He asked for an invitation. He said, Lord, bid me to come. If it's you, let me come. And he said, come. And that's all he needed for him, for his faith. Now, if we're going to see a process, and if we're going to see change, then we also have to realize that point number two, life after the resurrection, it's all about being empowered. It's all about being empowered. It's about being empowered by God's presence and spirit in our lives. That's what it's about. Uh, it has to be about that. Listen, not only did God want to save you, God wanted to empower you. I do not teach that upon repentance, everything changes. You're saved, and your heart can change, and the Spirit of God is working in your life. There's a process that begins. But there is a transformation, a conversion, a place from a caterpillar to a butterfly in a place in between called metamorphosis. Most Christians will not morph or change and allow the Spirit and the Word to grow them, to translate them, to get them from point A to point B. Because all of this involves waiting. But you, if you're going to be empowered, you have to learn how. How many of you use, 
How many of you uh, here use Google Maps or Google a calendar? Or you use, uh, what, what do you use? Asana? Do you use any kind of tech? You still do it the old-fashioned way, put it in your iPhone, put it in your calendars, whatever you do. I don't know what you do. But, you know, you have a schedule, right? Until you start putting God in your schedule and treating him just as important as what's on your schedule, you're not going to see change. You have to schedule God in. You have to. In the day and the hour that we're living in, we're talking to people who are living busy lives. I'm talking to people who run businesses, million-dollar corporations. I'm, I'm, I'm friends with millionaires. I'm friends with good, good big business people. And, and, and even the, the, the common man who works in, and gets overlooked many times, but is a hard worker, every one of them, from the richest to the poorest to the middle class, it doesn't matter. We all have a schedule. We all have schedules. And the question we have to ask ourselves, have we scheduled enough time for him to wait on him to see him bring change in our life? And so point number two, that there has to, it's all about empowerment, but what do we do to see change? Let's talk about the process. When God gives you a promise, there's something that begins to work in your life. I believe upon receiving the word of God and you acting on it, that the Spirit begins to work in your life upon salvation, the blood of Jesus covers you. But even though you are saved, you still need to be transformed. There are only two places in the Bible that talks and mentions the word born again, those two words, born again. One is found in John chapter 3, where Jesus said, except to be born again of the water and the Spirit. You cannot see or enter the kingdom. Then the other one is in 1 Peter where he talks about being born again of incorruptible seed, the word of God. Those are the two places. So when you receive a promise, the spirit of God begins to work in your life. I believe God begins to help you. But what really God wants you to do, he wants you to go after him to receive this fullness and the only way, the only thing, now watch this. Here's where this stage is at. This, we all know this, this represents the word right here. That represents the word. This right here is a promise. Promise. That is a promise. There's hope now. You have actually started believing the Bible. You have actually started believing that God can give you strength. God can give you hope. You can trust in God. You start taking his word. You start taking him at his word. You start, you start living it. That starts doing something for you, and the Spirit of God is drawn to you. This is the stage where the, the apostles began they received for 40 days and 40 nights, and Jesus said it behooved Christ to suffer for, 30 for three days and for three nights, to suffer and to, to die and to rise again. Right here, he said that repentance and remission of sins, which is confession, turning away from your sin, and water baptism, would begin at Jerusalem. And by the way, we're baptizing today after the, uh, after the service today. 
if you've not been water baptized and you've not been gone through the process of being born again, you need to surrender your life to Christ. Hey, go home, get some clothes, come right back. We'll baptize you. We'll take you down just like you are too. We got towels, I think. Right here. The promise. Things begin to change. But here's what begins to happen. This is the encounter that God is really trying to bring us to. <laughs> here's, the, here's the promise right here. Let's just do this. The Spirit begins to move. Now, watch this. The Spirit. What did he tell the disciples? Go in Jerusalem, wait, and I'm going to send the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The Holy Spirit, right? So when, the, when they got a promise, they went and waited for the promise. They waited for the promise, and then God sent the promise. He fulfilled it by sending his Spirit. Can I tell you, it is all about the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. He's the king of the kingdom. So the kingdom is about Jesus the king. So it's all about the king, right? But his, and his kingdom. This whole book is based on the king and his kingdom. And when that word starts interacting, the only way, how does a seed grow? It first has to die, right? The only thing that stands between the seed and every promise and every promise being fulfilled is going to be you. And when you have died out to it and surrendered everything to God, where the Spirit can now enter your life and you can receive every word that God's given to you in the Bible, this is where the word of the promise begins to grow. This is where you find growth. This is right here. That's what that is. Growth. But here's where real change comes. Through consistency. Through consistency. Through God's word. Through God's spirit. Not only are you growing, but you're changing. You're changing. And you start thinking differently. You start acting differently. You start doing things differently. The resurrection was the breakthrough for Jesus Christ to fill and pour out his spirit on all the world, to empower them, to help them do what he did. Jesus wasn't afraid to face the crowds. Jesus wasn't afraid of sicknesses and diseases. Jesus wasn't intimidated by any devil. Jesus wasn't inferior to anything in this world. He was bold. He was courageous. He was a roaring lion. He was a victor. He was a conqueror. He was the overcomer. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end of all things. He saw everything. He knew everything only because he was living in this space right here. He knew who he was. The promise that Jesus had from the beginning was him being Messiah. But going through the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, 
tempted of the devil, this outer layer had to be broken, and he began to grow, and he came out with authority and power. Did you get what I just said? I know I'm kind of fast, but did you understand what I just said? Jesus, in the wilderness before he went in, after baptism, Jesus, in the wilderness, Jesus with power after the wilderness. Peter, Peter, right over here, the, the, the silhouette of Peter was everything void. He thought he knew, but he didn't know. He didn't have a promise. He just knew that Jesus was the promise. But then God gave him a promise, told him to go to Jerusalem. And this was Peter right after he just got convicted by a rooster. He couldn't even defend Jesus in front of the fire. No, but I don't know who he is. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. Right? But while in Jerusalem, you got to remember, they're in a place where you don't want to be as a Christian. Jesus sent them back to Jerusalem where people were being persecuted. You talk about looking at the directions and questioning the directions and going, are you sure? That's where most of us live. The reason why God wants us to take the longer route, the more dangerous route sometimes, or the, the one that looks like it's going to take some patience, is because God knows that is the only way he's going to get the promise he gave you to start growing in your life because you need to be broken and you need to die so this can grow and God can change you. You'll never be changed when life is so easy for you. You will never be changed. That's why you need to thank God for every battle that you're in. You need to thank God for everything that seems to make you weaker. You need to thank God for all your haters that are out. We need to do like Miranda Sings and put haters back off. You don't know who Miranda Sings is? Go look her up. Haters back off. You need to realize the reason you have haters and the reason he the, the, the devil hates you is because you have a promise. And until you see it, you're not going to recognize it. And so, and so this is what the scripture says. This isn't just a one-time process. You know, salvation, receiving a promise, it's not a one-time thing. This is an all-time thing. Salvation is carried on from day to day to day. We get salvation every time he seek, keeps us from our own temptations. Salvation comes in. It's called grace, the mercy of God. It keeps us. It holds us. But the, but the scripture says it like this in John 1 and 16. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. That means it's perpetual. That means it's just not a one-time incident or event or happening. It needs to be built upon and built upon in a continual process. You can't take your salvation for granted. God saved you so you can be transformed and walk in your image that he made you to be in which is his image, to be transformed and walk. So I'm going to say it, don't spray it, right? I think I just gave the whole front, the front row the news and the weather. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Turn to someone and tell them, you, you got to know what promises you, you have in your life. You have to know the promises. If you don't have a promise, get a promise. Maybe that's why God sent you to this church. So you can start getting a hold of the word 
and get in the word and receive your own promise. Start filling your own destiny, the higher calling in your life. This is Peter. Peter, he received a promise. God was so, Jesus was so merciful to Peter. I mean, even after the resurrection, even after he came out. Peter had denied the Lord. He's there, and then all of a sudden, when he comes out of the grave, he tells Mary, go tell the disciples, and go tell Peter. Bring Peter back. Peter, you're going to do great things for me. Peter didn't have what it took beforehand. He, he had a revelation. He knew who Jesus was, but he didn't have what it took. What it was going to take to really make a difference in the world. But, but listen here, after growing, after going through and learning, after waiting, after determining that God had called him and God did forgive him, here it is right here. This is Peter on the day of Pentecost, standing in front of 3,000 people, preaching the word of God, having a full revelation, not caring what people thought. He, you know, over here, he couldn't even preach to people around the campfire. But over here, he can preach to the thousands and look at everybody and say, I know who I am. I know who he is. I've been transformed. And he, this is what Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, do you remember this? When thou art converted... Strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brothers. That's why Jesus told Peter that. Because when you get saved, God wants you to go through a born-again process to come out looking different than what you came out the original point in time. Who you look at in the mirror after being born again by Jesus Christ is really a different person. You are not, I mean, how many of you understand that? I mean, look, you may even have the same features. Uh, you may have some more wrinkles, may have lost some more hair. But you are not the same person if you've got Jesus in your life. And it doesn't matter what people thought about you back then. I don't care how they knew you, how they labeled you. It doesn't matter. When you have Jesus in your life, you are not the same person. This is what they see. This is who they know. This is what they expect. But that's not who you are. That is not who you are. Who you are, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But it's a process. It's a waiting process. You get determined in your minds that you are going to seek him daily, that you are going to build on the promise, that you're going to wait on him. He'll give you the wings of an eagle when you feel weak. He'll cause you to run and not grow weary. He'll cause you to walk and be consistent and not faint. But what do you have to do? You have to, but it's for those who what? Wait on the Lord. What do you do when you wait? You seek him. You pursue him. You expect him. That means you expect and you get your life ready while you're doing all these things. That means you worship him. And bind with him. That's what that word means, to bind. Learn how to wait. And the process happens. And Jesus said, and we know him and got a revelation of him. And we know him from grace to grace. That once God gives you an experience, don't live. Please don't be that person. Don't be the people or the child of God who constantly talks about the experiences you had 10 years or 20 years ago. 
that does not validate your stance with God in the present moment. All that validates is, is that fact that by faith, God responds. And yesterday is yesterday. Listen, are you ready? One, two, three. I can't brag about what happened in my whole life, what happened three seconds ago. Three seconds is gone. We can never get it back. But I can look forward to another three seconds and say, in this three seconds, I'm going to praise him, I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to tell him, Lord Jesus, you're everything to me. I love you. Now, that wasn't much of a mood. I know I, I realized that I probably looked silly. I didn't look like an athlete, you know, going through the hurdles. But, but you got my point. What you did with last year's, you did with last year. Yesterday's gone. Today's a new day. Today's a new day. And you got to make change for today. Even Mahatma, Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi would have said, I would have become a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians. He saw Christians and saw the hypocrisy that was there. It caused him to go another direction. But he had some things to say, and I think they'd be mindful of us to look at and realize we can learn from everyone. And Mahatma Gandhi even said this. He, he even studied Jesus. He looked at the life of Jesus. He was so enthralled with Jesus. He, he read the Bible. But he said, if you want to see change, you have to become the change. And the reason why things aren't changing in your world is because you aren't letting God change your world. Only God can change your world. Only God can do this. It is a supernatural act based on a promise. I'll, I'll conclude with this. We can come up. I conclude with this saying for you, and I want to give it to you, and I want you to grab a hold of this. Listen, turn to somebody and tell them, I need more than one touch. I need more than one touch. I need him to touch me every day. Life after the resurrection is about being empowered. It's taking what happened in that moment. Resurrection was now released to the whole world, and now we're to walk in it, live in it, praise in it, worship in it, and you understand what I'm saying, right? Listen to what Andrew Murray said. Andrew Murray said this. He said, being filled with his spirit is simply this, having my whole nature yielded to his power. When your whole nature is yielded to his spirit, God will fill it, period. Being filled with the spirit is simply this, having my whole nature yielded. Having my whole nature, this guy right here, Yield to this, which will draw in this. And when God, and you yield your, to his power, when your whole nature is yielded to his spirit, God will fill it. And he'll grow his word. You see, this word right here represents the, the, the actual uh, ground that Jesus spoke of in the parable when he said, he remember that parable? He sowed seeds. Some landed on stony ground. Some landed on, on, on rocky ground. Some the birds came and took, and others, you know, landed on stuff that caused it to be choked out by the spirit, uh, by, by cares of this life, thorns of this, uh, thorns of the, you know, thorns and thistles, which is the flesh and desires and cares of this world. That's what that represents. Spirit, 
I believe your spirit man is located in your central part of your being. I want to hit this just for a second. This is going to sound kind of analytical, but I, I really want you to know this. I really do believe that the spirit man is located right in here. Did you know in Asia, a lot of studies have been done and they've, they've recognized that most, there are more nerve endings that are located from the brain and neurotransmitters that are also located in, more in the intestinal area of your being as much as your brain. Anything that happens in here, it's channeled and conversed. They believe that all commands come from the gut in this area and it com and communicates with the brain. They call it the second brain. That's why many times you and I, we have this feeling, we go, I got this gut feeling. What you're actually feeling is your spirit and it speaks to your brain. The two have the same connected wires that are connected to both areas. Interesting to know, right? You go study it. It's called the second brain. There's actually more neurotransmitters, more areas. This is where the serotonin in your body's developed and it transmits and it, it's just a lot to the body. God made us wonderfully. God didn't make mistakes. He knew what he was doing. But you see, you have to have a spirit experience. Being filled with the spirit is so important. Overflowed, spirit baptized, where the entire spirit is saturated and living and walking in it and flowing in it. This is the spirit, but this is the word. And Jesus said, I'm looking for worshipers that will worship me in spirit and what? Truth. And when the spirit grows the word, the word becomes water, but it begins to grow and fill our mind. That's where the spirit comes in. Most people can't get comprehension in their life because they're void of the spirit. But when the spirit comes in, it grows the word and the word fills our hearts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Most people got it backwards. They don't think that the spirit baptism or spirit experience is for today. They believe it's for back then. But the one thing they're missing is they're missing the power to grow and to completely transform in their life. God is working, looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth for true transformation. This is what it boils down to. But it takes a yielding. It takes a process. And God wants to do it. This is what he desires to do in your life. You may look the same, but I promise you on the inside, you're not the same. The Spirit of God will change you, but you have to receive the Word to transform you and let the promises of God be fulfilled in your life. God wants more. God wants to grow you. God wants to see you produce fruit. And God wants to see you transform. How many of you believe that this Sunday morning? I'm telling you, that's good news. That is good news. That's why, that's why I'm a soul believer that once you give your life to Jesus Christ, a seed has been sown, but it doesn't stop there. What I love to see is when people come and get saved and they believe that there's more for them, they receive the word, the spirit interacts with the word, and the word grows, and they are not the same person you used to be that they used to be. That's why drug addicts can come in and become millionaires and become business people and become ministers and become missionaries, whatever, because of the power of God in their life. Life after the resurrection is about waiting on God and being empowered by God. That's what it's all about. Somebody lift up your hands, stand to your feet,
and make this your prayer. Somebody say, change me, Jesus. Change me, Jesus. Change me, Lord. Change me, Lord. In your precious name, make that your prayer today. Make that your prayer and just simply say, Lord, change me. Transform me. I surrender. What is your promise? What is your promise today? What is your promise? What is your promise? You don't have a promise? Maybe you need Jesus. Maybe you need to really make up your mind that it's time to live for him. Maybe this is the moment right here where we say, you know what? Let's get everybody on the same page. Maybe there's somebody here who hasn't really surrendered and asked Jesus to come into your heart and give you the promise that you need. The promise of eternal life. The promise of salvation. The promise of your family being blessed. The, pro the promise of, of you living in prosperity and getting out of poverty. The promise of you living in love and peace and joy instead of frustration, instead of not getting any results. It's time to surrender. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, as we're in this moment right here, I really feel it so strong. We're not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to pressure you, but I want you to pray. I feel the love of God. God, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. He knew you would be here today. And if it's you that he's calling on to surrender your life, I'm asking you to pray this prayer with me. I'm asking you to pray this prayer with me. If I'm talking to you, if God's, if God's talking to you, just we're going to all pray together. We're going to pray this prayer. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Repeat after me. But pray it in your own way. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. Let's pray together. Come on, all together. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my wrong. I am ready to say yes. I am ready to follow you. I believe you died for me. I believe you gave your life for me. And I believe you rose again for me. Right now, come into my heart. Begin to work in my life. Plant the seed right now. And I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to go after you. I'm going to get, I want more of you. In Jesus' name, by your grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.